You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is Monday afternoon, Monday, February the 20th. Monday, 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 all day long Monday. And Boomer's on the board. Hey, buddy. Hey. <laughs> How are you? Uh, it's Monday. Buddy <laughs> is beautiful outside. I'm in short sleeves. I cannot It complain. feels like spring out there. I know. I, just never mind the fact that I got up Saturday morning and it was 27 degrees. Oh. <laughs> I, went to, I just... It was... What? Saturday was just a... Oh, I don't man. know why. I don't, I, even know. I don't know why I keep acting incredulous. I've lived in Alabama most of my life. <laughs> you know, you don't like the weather. Ten minutes, just wait ten minutes, it'll change. Um, but anyway, did you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend, and on Saturday, we as Right Life Podcast got to interview <laughs> Mr. Phil Williams and his lovely wife Charlene, and it was amazing. Let's be honest, you actually interviewed Charlene, and I was just there. <laughs> <laughs> just like I let, just like I let McQueen just do her thing, That's and right. I'm just there. <laughs> no, we have the best time with you guys. So you're going to release that win on Wednesday. It'll be released on Wednesday, so y'all got to check it out. It's it's some great stories and just some just some behind the scenes of uh, Right Side and uh, some some life lessons from Phil and Charlene. Uh, it was good. We it was we, great. We had the best time. Oh, it was, it was good. so much fun. Um, all right, wait, well, listen, we got a full show for you. Lots of stuff laid on. So three o'clock today, Barry Matson, who is the uh, uh, head governmental affairs guy for the Alabama District Attorneys Association. He's going to be on with us to talk about fentanyl and some updates on what's happening with the prison release thing. So, yeah, Barry Matson, he's been on the show before, extremely knowledgeable. When he, he represents all of the district attorneys across the entire state. And so, yeah, Barry will be back on at 3 o'clock today to talk about fentanyl especially. So there's that. And then 3.30, there's a crazy story that came out on 1819 News today. I don't know if y'all saw it or not. If you didn't, you need to. And go ahead and, uh, you know, recognize there might be some language in it that you're not as accustomed to. But uh, they got a, uh, apparently somebody leaked a recording of Montgomery's liberal mayor, Stephen Reed, just going on a profanity-laced rant about why he doesn't need the black vote and, and why, and just, and just on and on and on. I'm like, oh, gosh, things that should never be said, period, much less in the day when you can be recorded. But that'll be 3 o'clock. We're going to talk to Craig Monger from 18, oh, 3.30, I'm sorry, Craig Monger from 1819 News who got that story and put it out first thing this morning. You might want to check that out in advance to get a better on, on what's happening. Uh, so there's that. And then I got a triple dipper full of stuff, so boom shakalaka, hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper, three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So, yeah, fighting fentanyl is number one. Fighting fentanyl. And it's a fight, y'all. So one of the number one killers in America now is one drug coming across the southern border. We're going to talk about it again in depth. We're going to give you some latest updates, some things that have happened even in the state of Alabama. And then we're going to talk to Barry Matson, the head of the DA's association, at 3 o'clock. So you're going to want to hear that. That's fighting fentanyl, number one of the Triple Dipper. Number two, culture wars. I didn't get to it on uh, Friday, so I held on to it. 
because it's interesting to me to watch how we talk about things like, you know, fighting for policy and all the things that happen in fiscal issues. And, but there's a whole aspect of public policy that has become more and more called culture wars. And that's when you wind up having those things that people care about that are more social in nature and how they're affecting society and what are we doing to fight? And oh, by the way, are any politicians losing their job finally because of wokeness? Yeah, we'll talk about it. Number two on the Triple Dipper, culture wars. And then number three, every once in a while, I got to update you on what's happening back home. All right, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna step back and do an episode of Home Fries. So, remember, we got to find that sizzling home fries sound effect for that we one, do. too. <laughs> this, we got, he's making a note to himself right now. Got to find those sizzling home fries. But, yeah, home fries, number three on the Triple Dipper. All Stuff Alabama will lay it out for you and tell you what's happening across the entire state with your U.S. delegation in D.C. and yada, yada. So, home fries, number three on the Triple Dipper. Well, let me let me jump over to my comments here and open the show with my monologue. So, I will just, I'll just open with this sentence, this statement, this, this, this sort of philosophical standpoint. You never really know who's living down the street from you. I mean, you don't. Sometimes you find out, you're like, wow, who did right there on our street? Every once in a while, you get one of those insider's glimpses to the fact that the extraordinary events of life were accomplished by the ordinary men and women who live around us, and we, we never even knew it. I mean, did you see the movie Sandlot? If you saw Sandlot, Boomer's shaking his head. What a great movie. Classic tale of growing up in suburban 1960s America with kids playing Sandlot baseball. So many one-liners. You're killing me, Smalls. I mean, there was a life lesson in every single episode, it seemed like. But then there was that major life lesson that sort of capped off the movie. When the scary old man in the rundown house with the big dog turned out to be the hero of the early days of baseball. And eventually, he was regaling the kids who had been scared of him before of his time with Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio. It's the movie version of never really knowing who lives down the street from you. Well, in my own life, I think I've told you before about the man who used to live in my neighborhood till just a few years ago, a Medal of Honor winner whose deeds in Korea are legendary, but who went on from there to be one of the founders of the U.S. Army Special Forces. He was one of the first commandants of the Special Warfare Center at Fort Bragg, and the Army Combat Diver School is named after him. Before I left for my first tour overseas, he came to see me and he gave me some simple and direct advice about taking care of my men downrange that I've never forgotten. His multiple tours in Vietnam, they were no less legendary, and I heard men at a ceremony who came from thousands of miles away to talk about what it was like to serve under him. And there are some who say that the movie Apocalypse Now was even based in part on him. I mean, who knows? What I do know is this, he was my neighbor. He lived in a quiet cul-de-sac in Gadsden, Alabama. Who knew? Well, some years ago, my wife and I, we were looking for a house for her parents. They've since passed away, but at the time, we were looking for them to live near us, and so we were on the hunt for a new home, and during the hunt, we visited one small corner house in the same neighborhood they wound up living in, just a small piece of quiet suburbia. But as we looked at the house, I couldn't help but notice there was some military memorabilia on the wall, so I wandered over to take a look, and I was shocked by what I found. It turns out that when the B-29 superfortress named the Enola Gay dropped the first atom bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki to end World War II, that there were actually two B-29s on that mission. One was the Enola Gay, the one everybody knows about. But the other B-29 flew an hour ahead by itself to make sure that the targets were clear for the most significant bombing mission in the history of the world. And the young pilot of that lead B-29 retired to a quiet lot in northeast Alabama right down the road from where I'm talking right now. Amazing. 
I may have mentioned to you, too, before about the older gentleman who befriended Charlene and I some years ago. He was an interesting man, had a big old belly and a good laugh and a voice like a character from Gone with the Wind who always had an unlit corncob pipe in his mouth. He called it my pacifier. What I didn't know until a bit later was that he was one of the engineers who helped develop rolled aluminum right as World War II was getting started. And his inventions, they got him sent home from the war because he was deemed too important to the war effort for deployment. Virtually every plane, ship, and military hardware of every type used some aspect of his pioneering efforts in steel and aluminum manufacturing. And he was just an older man at my church, living down the way a bit. See, I'm mindful of folks like this because just this past weekend, I spoke at the funeral of my friend Alex. I told his wife and family and friends the very same thing. I started off by saying, you just never know who's living down the street from you. I knew Alex for a number of years, but his life was like peeling back an onion with every layer showing a new layer. So before speaking, I asked his wife if I could get some of his military records to review just to help me with the details. And what I got was a whole load of paperwork that really helped me to better see a life that had so many intricacies. In the middle of it all, in the middle of all that paper, was a progress report from his time as a high school student. I don't know why he kept it. Maybe because it showed that his teachers thought very little of him when he was 15 with his P.E. teacher, failing him and writing specifically that he had a bad attitude, he taught back off, and he was really in need of what he called some kind of outside help. Well, a few years later, that 15-year-old kid was a Green Beret working secret missions in Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia. And after seven years as a decorated Green Beret, my friend Alex decided to get out of the Army and join the Navy, at which point he became a signal intelligence specialist working in special projects that flew low-level intel-gathering missions over hostile waters. And my friend Alex was directly involved in helping to locate a ship called the SS Mayaguez, a U.S. ship that had been seized by the Khmer Rouge in 1975. It resulted in a major international incident, a major combat rescue operation. So, yeah, this one guy received a Cambodian National Defense Medal for his time in the Army Special Forces and a Meritorious Unit Citation for his time helping save lives in the Navy. Not bad for a kid whose P.E. teacher had written him off when he was 15. And he lived on a quiet street in a normal neighborhood with none of his neighbors really even knowing what he'd done. Like I said, you you never really know who's living down the street from you. And I know that not everyone has a secret story of heroism or metal. I guarantee you, there's folks in our sphere every day that we will be fascinated by or learn from or just enjoy hearing more about if we just took the time. Hebrews 13.2 tells us, Quote, do not forget or neglect or refuse to extend hospitality to strangers, being friendly, cordial, and gracious, sharing the comforts of your home and doing your part generously. For through it, some have entertained angels without even knowing it. You see, basically that's saying that my point is valid. You have no idea sometimes who lives down the street or shops at the same grocery store or goes to your church. I wish personally that I had known more about my friend Alex's life before he was gone. I mean, that guy, he had to have some great stories. But more than that, I'm betting that he had some life lessons, some good laughs, some crazy experiences, and I'm wishing now that I'd been more intentional in getting to them. I'm not trying to get all mushy here. What I'm saying is this. There are folks all around us, especially in the generation maybe just above yours. They've got stories, man. they got some life, and they know a bit about how to do life. And it would behoove us to remember that they might live down the street from us for a reason. So maybe just take a pause in all your busyness, ask them a question, And then just sit back and see what comes. You never know who's living down the street from you. And like Hebrews said, some have entertained angels unawares. And that's a wrap for The Right Side Way. 
Yeah, Alex was a cool guy. He really was. Did, did some amazing things. Wounded in action multiple times, you know. Uh, had, had, had stories just, just to go on and on and on. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, I, I, I wish now that I'd spent more time just gleaning those stories because I'm pretty sure it could have made a book. But, folks, you have no idea, no idea who's living right down the road. Go find out. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, okay, let's go ahead and get to the big doings of the day. Big doings here. Big doings is Boomer Boomer Bud got drafted in Little League. <laughs> oh, he did get drafted. <laughs> he is now a Tiger. I don't know what the name of him are. Maybe it's just the Tigers. The Tigers. The Tigers. He's playing for the Tigers. Playing for the Tigers. Does he have a position, or does he's just on the Tigers team? He's just on the Tiger team right now. I'm sure they'll figure out where he needs to be. <laughs> I saw that video of him during tryouts. That little dude's fast. He is he's like lightning fast. So and he loves it too. And he's like I'm fast. Watch this, dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So it's it's a blast. We're excited to get started with our uh with all of our fun uh, baseball endeavors. Well, you got to make sure that uh, his uh, adopted aunt and uncle Charlene and oh. Phil know the deal. We'll get we'll get the uh, schedule out. <laughs> you know, he'll be traveling. I'm not just kidding. He'll be all in the same spot. Hopefully, oh, the same time. That's good, man. That's good. <laughs> hey, um, but where are we at right now in the uh, in the podcast? Uh, how many downloads? I mean, we were kicking like 117,000 by oh, yeah. Friday, weren't we? Where oh, are we at right yeah. Now? Oh man, we're at 118.5. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, we're pushing 120. So all right, so yeah, <laughs> here's the deal, y'all. The uh, the uh, the right side podcast. So every day we do the show, and then we post it afterwards, and you can get it in segments, or you can get the full show. And and it's just it's just major cool watching this thing kind of unfold. But but yeah, we've got um, we've got the ability right now to 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 see live stream of the show daily. You can go to www.rightsideradio.org. We've also got uh, the show podcasted thereafter, which is now pushing 118,000 downloads. Would you say 117.5-ish yeah, right one, now? Yeah, 118.5. So we're going to be oh, at 120 by the end five. of the week. Oh, good Lord. All Man. right. There's that. And then, uh, of course, we have uh, uh, Boomer and McQueen have the Right Life podcast, which comes out also. Every bit of this is there. Y'all can grab it. You can you can re-listen to a piece if you wanted to. You can send a segment to a friend if you want them to hear it. Um, you, you can you can also just you know download it so that you can listen to it while you drive. All said and done, go to uh, any podcasting format. You can type in Right Side Radio or The Right Life, either one of those, and you'll find them. And I would appreciate it if you would subscribe to them and, you know, leave a little rating or a comment if you want to, as long mm-hmm. as it's a nice one, by the way. <laughs> we don't want your mean comments because no we have thin skin around here. No. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, check them out. 
There's a lot of other stuff on our website, too, I will point out. Rightsideradio.org. You can live stream the show every day. I mean, you can see inside the studio as we're, uh, as we're doing our thing. And uh, you can also, by the way, catch our recommended reading list, the photo gallery, uh, all kinds of things that are out there about the show. Even the Right Side store, where if you want to get a coffee mug, a T-shirt, or some Right Side socks, you can get those at the Right Side store. So, yeah, just check it out, rightsideradio.org. I'm going to go over to the text line. By the way, the text line's open. You want to text in, we'll take it. You're also welcome to call in, 833-687-4448. Got a great text, Jamie from Hartzell. So Jamie from Hartzell just texted in a minute ago. Today being the 20th of February, he says, Yesterday, day, 78 years ago, my dad came ashore at Iwo Jima. He landed in the third wave on Red Beach 2 in the 35-day battle. 6,821 Marines, sailors, and Army Air Corps were KIA. 19,000 were WIA. Right at 200 Japanese soldiers remained alive out of the estimated 22,000 prior to the invasion. And the last two Japanese to surrender did so on January 6, 1949, four years after the victory. That's amazing when you get down to it. But that's that's... That is a, that's a legendary battle. And Jamie, so first of all, Jamie, thanks for your dad's service uh, very much. And then I'll also tell you, too, my wife's grandfather was on Iwo Jima. And I believe he was also um, a part of, um, was he with, I, I got I to look back and see where he was. I tried to send you the picture. I've actually got a picture of him. Believe it or not, there, a combat camera was on the beach. And there's, and there's a, a book that was made by the Marine Corps as a government-issued book. And lo and behold, there's a picture of her grandfather uh, struggling through that uh, that black um, volcanic sand uh, on Iwo Jima. So if I can get it to post up, Jamie, I'll, I'll send you a copy of it. I'm looking at it right now, but I can't get it to post. Anyway, thanks for your father's service. Uh, very mindful, Iwo Jima, 78 years ago yesterday. Um, Brian from Huntsville. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that 1819 story that we're going to talk about a little bit later, he says it has a warning on it, warning adult language uh, regarding the Montgomery mayor. He said, that's teenage gutter language, not adult language. That's a great point. Um, but, yeah, that story is just kind of crazy, and especially crazy when you base it off of what he sounds like when he's trying to be out there in the public eye. Didn't know he was being recorded on this one. Apparently someone inside is tired of the way he acts, and he literally is just cussing about uh, he doesn't even – he's a, he's a black man. He, he's, a, he, he's, he's saying, I don't even need the black vote. Don't even need it at all. Don't you know who I am? And just going on and talking about all the things that you shouldn't say as a public official. And it got caught. So we'll talk to Craig Monger later in the show about his article on that, uh, that, that recording that got leaked out about the mayor of Montgomery. All right, listen, we're going to take a break. We'll come right back, jump into the first part of the Triple Dipper, fighting fentanyl. Got some news for you. I'll share it when we get back. Y'all stay tuned. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Please. 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gaston, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Um, so number one of the Triple Dipper, fighting fentanyl. This is a scourge, by the way. This is it's it's every once in a while you can find a thing that you can actually just you can you can put your hands on it. And you know if you could just change that one thing, you could actually change something in our society. I mean, sometimes it's all out there like, you know, you just know people need to, to know the Lord or, or you know that we've got to do something with fiscal policy. And it all sounds so big and esoteric. You're wondering, how do you get that thing out there? And it, How about this? What if we could just stop fentanyl from coming across the southern border? What would it do? I'm going to tell you right now. It would save 100,000 lives. No kidding. How's that for a result? Can you imagine? If I were president of the United States, which I ain't, but if I were president of the United States, I'd be looking around going, hmm, why don't we just do this one thing? How about this? Let's make it a mission that we're going to stop fentanyl. I don't, I don't mean like make a little comment in my State of the Union speech where I say, it is time for us to take this seriously. No, that's just lame. How about, all right, fellas, here's the deal. We're going to stop fentanyl, and we're going to stop it hard, and we're going to stop it fast, and we're going to tell the Mexican government here's how it's going to be, and then we're going to make sure that China understands, too, that if we start finding those connections, we're going to sink them as they try to sail them over. How about this? If, 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 if Mexico won't control the border labs, then maybe it's time for us to take military action because 100,000 deaths in one year from fentanyl overdose and the vast preponderance of that comes across the southern border. All right, Phil, are you getting a little extreme? Have you had too much coffee? No more caffeine for you. No, I'm just being serious. Here's the deal. We've got an opportunity to save 100,000 lives. How about somebody man up and do it? I'm just going to hazard the guess that if we could find a drug lab, find it, that we could put a Tomahawk missile in the middle of it pretty darn quick. And I, I understand. I understand what that means. I understand. Before y'all start, oh, Phil, you're a warmonger. No, I'm not. I'm talking about saving 100,000 American lives. I'm just, I'm just saying we're at that point where this is truly a scourge on our society that has gone way beyond something that's like, well, it's just, you know, it's time for us to consider the war on drugs. No. Stop fentanyl. One thing. And then if we do, there'll be other things in the future that, you know, will rise up to replace it or they'll find other ways to try and get it in. I get it. I get it. They will. They always do. But you know this one, and you know what it's doing, and you know where it's coming from. The vast preponderance of fentanyl comes across the southern border. The vast majority of the precursor for it comes from China to Mexico. And you know what? The drug cartels, they are thumbing their nose at us right now. We are seizing fentanyl in quantities enough to kill every single American twice. And that's just what we're seizing. And yet we're still seeing 100,000 overdose deaths related to fentanyl. So story here, 1819 News had one story that came out just, what, two days ago. U.S. Senator Katie Britt just got a major position. So uh, Senator Britt is now the ranking member of the Homeland Security Subcommittee of the Senate Appropriations Committee. So what that means is she's in a position of influence on issues of homeland security. 
So she now has uh, joined in what they call several legislative efforts to combat illegal immigration and trafficking. So there's a bill being floated right now by Marco Rubio. It's called the No Coyote Cash Act. It would amend the uh, Immigration Nationality Act. It would include a criminal penalty and a ground of removability, which means, I believe, um, uh, actual cutting off of assets for the financing of any unlawful entry. So in other words, it's a way to get at the thing that drives the cartels is money. They could care less about people's lives. They're not trying to help people to get to a better life in America. No, they're, they're exploiting them. They're human traffickers. They, they're, they're trying to literally take fentanyl across the border, not because somebody needs it for their medication. They can, they can get a rat's hind end about, you know, how many people die from fentanyl overdose as long as they get paid before they die. Here's a quote from Britt's office. She says, With a record number of Americans dying from fentanyl poisoning, record deaths among migrants attempting to cross the border, record profits for the cartels, and a record amount of people on the terrorism watch list apprehended at the border, there's no doubt we have a crisis unlike which we've ever seen. This bill, the one I mentioned a minute ago, would protect vulnerable women, children, and men from being exploited by dangerous criminals while also helping stem the tide of illegal aliens. Or she calls them illegal immigrants, uh, immigrants illegally flooding across our border. Um, Representative Barry Moore, who's also been on the show several times, Congressman Moore says um, that we have seen a ninefold increase in fentanyl uh, being seized since 2018. Ninefold. Okay, they only do this because it's a money-making venture. If we're seeing a ninefold increase just in seizures, no telling what already got through. And oh, by the way, that means it's a lucrative business for them, and they're going to keep on doing it. Congressman Moore said since July of last year, border seizures of fentanyl have averaged 2,200 pounds a month. A month. That's just what they seized. So basically, they're confiscating more fentanyl per month now than they did in all of 2018. What the heck? And he says, basically, as a result of our poorest southern border, fentanyl is now killing an estimated 196 Americans per day. Per day. Well, let's bring that home a little bit. So WBRC, right Chander in the Birmingham listening area, right Chander, Birmingham uh, story on WBRC dated January 24th. So we're at what, three weeks ago, three and a half says more than 300 Jefferson County deaths were linked to fentanyl in 2022. That's right here at home. That's just in one county. Of our 67 counties, of course, Birmingham being the or Jefferson County being the most populous, 300, more than 300 Jefferson County deaths were linked to fentanyl in 2022 alone. says officials say that more people are dying from opioid overdoses than car accidents or gun crime. Can you imagine more people dying from opioid overdoses than car accidents in Jefferson County? I mean, think about that. Aside from how many roads pass through there with every, all, the, all the municipalities, Birmingham, Mountain Brook, um, Hoover, Vestavia, Bessemer, head on over to West Birmingham, all the roads. But then you've got the interstates, the major intersections of I-20, I-59, I-65, all coming through that area, not to mention the state highways. And despite that level of traffic, opioid deaths is more than automobile accidents in Jefferson County. The coroner is a guy named uh, Bill Yates for Jefferson County. He said 417 people died from opioid overdoses last year, 
Most of them were fentanyl. Of the 417 overdoses in 2022, he said 339 have been certified as a direct result of fentanyl. Can you imagine? All right, so let's do the math here. If we could stop fentanyl at the border, then last year in Jefferson County, Alabama alone, 339 people might not have died. I mean, run these numbers in your head and try to tell me why we're not putting a Tomahawk missile into drug labs in Mexico. That's a, that's a horrible statistic. That is one county in one state where 339 people died because of one drug. And we know where it comes from, and we know where the elements to make it come from. So it's, what's happening right now is they're mixing it with everything in the world. And they're actually making pills that, that look like prescription drugs. They, they literally make pills that look like prescriptions. And then there are people who are desperate to get their prescriptions who buy them online or from a friend, and they don't realize what they got was a fentanyl substitute. Story here from AL.com, which is a bit of a jackleg story, to be honest with you. AL.com, dated February 16th, so four days ago, says a Mobile County Sheriff's deputy was reportedly taken to a local hospital after he collapsed when he was exposed to fentanyl while searching a wanted suspect's vehicle. He was given naloxone, which is a drug used to counter the effects of opioids. He's in stable condition. But then they throw this in there. Some experts are skeptical of law enforcement accounts of officer overdoses. With some pointing out to the New York Times that fentanyl overdose only occurs through snorting, shooting up, or ingesting the drug, not from secondhand exposure. Oh, I guess the, the officer just lied. I guess they had to administer naloxone because he was faking it. Because, you know, you got to do it for, what, YouTube, I guess. What a stupid thing to put in your article. Howard Koplowitz from AL.com. you got a Mobile County Sheriff's deputy who is doing his duty, who is collapsing because of exposure to fentanyl, apparently certified exposure to fentanyl, had to be given a counter-narcotic. He's in stable condition in the hospital. But Howard Koppelowicz from AL.com, he wants to write that, well, you know, some are skeptical of law enforcement's claims of officer overdoses because, you know, that's not how it really works. Get out there on the street, Howard. Do a ride-along someday and just see what, how life really works. I'm just saying. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from this, let's start talking about stats. Where are we in fentanyl deaths and fentanyl actions and things that are happening around the nation? And then top of the hour, we got Barry Matson from the Alabama District Attorneys Association. And let me tell you, I got one story here. Those of you veterans in the audience, it's, uh, it's hitting our military pretty hard, too. We'll talk about it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. I uh, got some responses from folks here online uh, with regards to that, uh, that, that, that knucklehead statement that Howard Kopelowitz, the author of the AL.com article, threw in there about, you know, some are disputing whether or not these law enforcement cases of overdosing is real. What a stupid thing to say. Uh, Jeremy from Huntsville texted in and said fentanyl is 100% transdermal or absorbed through the skin. I agree with you. I've heard the same thing. Thanks, man. Uh, Bruce from Hazel Green, he says, they don't want to stop the drugs. They don't want to fix it. They want large numbers of those to die off. So I, that's a, I, I hope that's not true, but the reality is I know this. The cartels could care less. Um, I had one other. Where'd it go? Uh, shoot. Somebody else had texted in saying that, uh, that yes, uh, the, uh, the, 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 Fentanyl is absolutely potentially transmitted through the skin. So I had two people texting in the same thing. Anyway, listen, it's a heck of a thing to be a law enforcement officer. You have to make a stop right now. I mean, I can remember when for a while there, meth labs were the thing. And they had mobile meth labs, people making them in Coke bottles in their car. Uh, and just as a police officer, when you have to raid a hotel room at a CD, you know, flea bag motel and find out that there's a drug lab in there, you got you to gotta, you gotta literally be suited up. You got to bring in the hazmat and, and fentanyl. I've, I've, and in fact, Barry Matson, the guy who's coming on at three o'clock, he, I remember him speaking when I was in the still in the state Senate before fentanyl became everything that we know of it today. He was talking about fentanyl being something that is literally able to kill everyone in the room. He said, and he, we were in a big room with probably a hundred people in, in attendance at a, at a hearing we had before the state Senate. And, and he was saying, if I had just enough, it takes to put on the, on the tip of my pinky, that, that amount could probably kill everybody in this room. And we're all like, what? And that's, and it's true. It's absolutely potent and lethal. So there's a, there's a fact checker. Now there's, there's, you know, there has been a little bit of good news, been a slight downward trend. Uh, and one fact checker I've got here that came out in the last few days is disputing the notion that it's the number one killer of people between the ages of 18 to 45. Okay. It only killed a hundred thousand people, but Maybe it's not the number one. Anyway, it points out here that 71,000 people died from overdosing on synthetic opioids like fentanyl in the year 2021. This article came out a couple of days ago, by the way. Up from almost 58,000 in 2020. Mm. According to the CDC, mm. in comparison, it says the CDC estimates that in 2020, almost 700,000 people died from heart disease. Okay. Wow. Well... How many of them had fentanyl-induced heart attacks? How about that? But anyway, nonetheless, we are looking at lawmakers that are claiming that they're being told that fentanyl is the number one leading cause of death for adults, and there's time to do something about it. You know what? If it's only the third or fourth leading cause of death, I'm just, you know, we can't stop heart disease, but you can stop fentanyl. You, you may not be able to stop cancer, but by God, you can stop fentanyl. It just takes the want to. That's where we are. It just takes the want to. It just takes literally saying enough is enough and, and unleash the hounds. I'm just saying, if we've got people right now on the ground, DEA and ATF guys working across the border, and they know where a drug lab is, mm, that thing may have to blow up in the dark at night. I'm okay with that. Because 100,000 people died in the United States last year. Here's a story. U.S. News, dated February 15th this year. 
Recent data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention points to a sustained dip in overall drug overdoses. That's good. Not much, but it's down some. It says, according to provisional counts of reported deaths from the CDC's vital statistics, more than 100,500 people in the United States died due to drug overdoses in the 12-month period of September 22, um, excuse me, of September of 21 through October 22. That's down 7.2%. Yay. But when you look at those, how many of them had fentanyl attached to them? You are talking about an epidemic. You want to talk about an epidemic? This is an epi- It's a man-made epidemic. When you you've got a three point two percent decline, yay! That's not enough. It says overdose deaths in the U.S. rose dramatically during the first two years of COVID, increasing by more than fifty percent from around seventy three thousand in January of twenty to one hundred and ten thousand in early twenty twenty two, and one of the states that had a spike, Alabama. Well, it says that fentanyl overdoses in the U.S. doubled between 2019 to 2021. COVID-19 and unintentional injuries were also included in things that caused deaths, but that fentanyl is considered one of those man-made deaths that could be stopped if we just took the right measures. How about this in our military? Uh, Story here, February 16th, from an organization called Legion.org. It says fentanyl was involved in 88% of the deaths of service members who had OVD'd on illicit drugs in 2021. That's a steep increase in the last five years. It says our military, according to Senator Edward Markey from Massachusetts, is not immune to the opioid epidemic. The DOD's latest report underscores the urgency of the moment. It says five years ago, the synthetic drug of fentanyl was the result of 36% of troop overdose deaths. Now it's 88%. From 2017 to 2021, a four-year period, 15,000 service members overdosed on drugs and alcohol. This drugs and alcohol. 332 of those died. More than half of those who died, died because of fentanyl. Members of our services. I get it. They were still doing something wrong. All I'm saying is, if you have more than half of 332, then you're looking at somewhere around 180, what, 160? who died because of fentanyl. You're looking at that static, the statistic I showed you from, or a minute ago from uh, Jefferson County. 339 people wouldn't have died if we could stop fentanyl. Well, I'm glad to see that some things are happening across the border. I'm pretty sure it happened to coincide with the fact that the Senate Foreign Relations Committee was holding a hearing on fentanyl overdoses. But here's a story from February 16th from CBS. Mexican soldiers seized more than half a million fentanyl pills in a raid. Half a million. Half a million fentanyl pills in a raid on the largest synthetic drug lab found to date, the country's army announced on Wednesday. The army said the outdoor lab was discovered in a place called Culiacan, which is in the Sinaloa district, uh, Sinaloa state. Soldiers raided the lab and found 630,000, that's more than half a million, that's a lot more than half a million, 630,000 pills that appeared to contain synthetic opioid fentanyl pills. They were made to look like things like Xanax, Percocet, and Oxycodone. And the DEA administrator says there's an absolute direct relationship between the Chinese chemical companies and the criminal cartels in Mexico. Yeah. How about this? The bust came on the same day the Senate was holding hearings. Ha! Coincidence? I think not. Coming right back, Barry Matson, Alabama District Attorney's Association, will get his thoughts. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, we're in number one of the Triple Dipper right now, fighting fentanyl is what I'm calling it. And we've been just talking for the last half hour about some of the latest statistics, which are pretty sobering um, regarding fentanyl and the fact that it comes across our southern border just in droves, uh, precursors coming from China. Uh, Raven from Russellville on our text line just said, we can use a $400,000 missile to shut down a $12 balloon, but we can't spare any for fentanyl. What? And he's, <laughs> he's got a point. Um, on the phone right now is uh, Barry Matson. Barry is the deputy director of the Office of Prosecution Services and the Alabama District, Asserv- uh, District Attorneys Association. He's got a long career uh, as a prosecutor, and he's been on the show once before for this very topic. We thought we'd get an update and just give him a holler, and he agreed to come on the show today. So, my friend Barry Matson, how you doing, man? How you doing, Phil? Good to be on your radio show. Appreciate well, you having me. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate you and what you do. So uh, we had one of your district attorneys on uh, the other day, Jody Willoughby from uh, Etowah County, has been on the show most recently. But um, but listen, let me let me ask you, Barry, straight up, fentanyl. Last time you and I talked, it was a scourge. I feel like the statistics have gotten worse. What are you guys seeing as DAs right now out there in the field? Uh Phil, it'll get worse before it ever gets better. Uh, I, I'm really frightened about the prospects of, of what's coming in the future. I, I, as I've said several times, I think it's a weapon of mass destruction. I think it takes a very little bit uh, of fentanyl to kill a lot of people, uh, and, and I'm very concerned about it. We have uh, two foreign nations, uh, China and Mexico, that – uh, and the cartels make no mistake about it. Cartels run Mexico. Uh, they're uh, they entrenched in all levels of government, state and local and federal. And those two, with, with the precursors from China and the manufacturing and smuggling from the cartels into our country, uh, you know, it's killing thousands and thousands of Americans and Alabamians uh, a day. I mean, it's it's frightening. But what, what we're seeing across our country, and it's it it uh, threatens people who aren't. Well, and I made the point, Barry, uh, earlier that, you know, there are things that are that are major statistics like cancer or heart disease, and you can't just stop those. Maybe they, you can do things to mitigate. You can try to help. But there's this one thing that's killing upwards of 100,000 people a year. It's one drug, and it comes mostly from one place, and it's fentanyl. Like, for instance, a story that I've got that I quoted earlier before you came on. Uh, apparently, last year alone, there were 339 fentanyl overdose deaths in Jefferson County, Alabama alone. That's 339 people that could have been saved if we could just stanch the flow of fentanyl into our country. 
and, and it seems to me that uh, our, our our federal government just ignores this. Uh, they they know where it's coming from. They know how it comes in. Uh, they publish a, a threat assessment every year. Uh, it's mapped. Uh, I've been down there with uh, federal officers, and uh, meth is still the largest, most impactful drug in our country, but meth is really more of a slow death. Uh, it's sad to say it that way, but it really is. Fentanyl is the acute problem. If you take it once, you can die from it immediately. But we know where it's coming from. We know where the precursors, how they're getting in, uh, and yet we're, we're doing nothing about it. If there was a bomb that went off and killed that many people in Birmingham uh, last week, you, you can bet it would get much more attention. It'd be a, you know, a mass death, but we just seem to write off these folks. Uh, uh, and it's, it's sad because every, every life has value and, uh, it's, it's terrible what, what, uh, what's happening to our country in 2020. I read recently that Alabama for the first time with COVID and overdose deaths had more people die than we had births. We were the first time in recorded history wow. that we were upside down in births and deaths in 2020. Wow, that's that's sobering. Well, l- let me ask you this, uh, Barry. I mean, so is there anything you, you guys and you and I first met when I was in the legislature, and you would come over to the state house and and, and help with issues that the dist- district attorneys cared about. Sometimes it'd be things on criminal law. Otherwise, at times it'd be penalties. Um, is there anything that you guys are looking at right now that the legislature may be considering that relates to this fentanyl crisis? And uh, Matt Simpson has the bill. We'll have a couple more, I think, pretty soon. Uh, spoken with the Speaker uh, and Senator Reid, uh, the leadership, and, and uh, they are very supportive of a couple of initiatives that we have. Uh, one is would be looking at uh, a first responder, how uh, first responders are injured as being exposed to fentanyl. Uh, anybody selling or manufacturing or trafficking in fentanyl, they know the dangers. They know how deadly it is. For listeners, the equivalent of three grains of salt, if you put three grains of salt on a plate, that much fentanyl can kill you. That's how much wow. it takes and so uh, to kill one person. So um, uh, that we were looking at uh, legislation that would address when first responders are injured, uh, it being exposed to fentanyl. We're looking at a, uh, a, a homicide death in, as far as felony murder, where if you sell or you market fentanyl, knowing how deadly it is, and cause a death, that we can we can charge that death. And then we are uh, we made fentanyl trafficking a few years ago, about three or four years ago, before we knew it was this was coming. And in Alabama, we had possession of fentanyl, which is a D felony, mm-hmm. you know, it's a small offense, one to five. And we had trafficking in every other drug, cocaine, uh, heroin, you name it. But we didn't have a trafficking statute in fentanyl. So you could have a tractor-trailer load or a thimble full, and it was the same offense. So we were able to get a uh, – it was hard, but we got a trafficking statute um, <clears throat> about three or four years ago. Um, but we did not get any of uh, the mandatory minimums that are the same on other drugs. You know, cocaine, heroin have a minimum of three uh, on the low end of the weight, and it goes on up. It's higher the weight is. But in Alabama, now currently trafficking has no mandatory minimum sentence. It's just it's a it's a class A, so it's ten and up okay. uh, as far as sentencing. So we're looking at that as well. That bill is already filed. I think it's HB one. Well, so let me add, and I'm glad to hear it's already pre-filed then, HB1, that's great. So, um, but l- l- let me ask you too, uh, uh, Barry, is, is there, is there a, is there a, a, a sort of a, 
a center of gravity in Alabama. I mean, I hear the stats on, on Jefferson County, but that's one of 67 counties. Is Jefferson County the center of gravity for fentanyl, or are they all the counties seeing the same level of per capita exposure right now? I, I think every county is seeing it. It, it. This knows no barriers. We, You'll see drugs when they come onto a scene, they'll impact either a rural or an urban population, or they'll impact uh, higher income, maybe it's more expensive, or it'll, it, it sometimes it, it splits on some, even in racial lives. You see uh, early on with meth and, and crack cocaine, you saw some of that. Um, but, but then the lines blur. It, all those drugs tend to, now meth is di- displaced crack cocaine. Meth is, is urban, rural, uh, large county, small county. That's, that's the, that's the, uh, 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 the amphetamine, that's the stimulant of choice. Uh, on the streets right now, it's methamphetamine, and it's also made in Mexico in super labs. So that's coming in as well from the same cartels. Fentanyl uh, really is hitting every every community, and you you see it where you're the person is either buying heroin and they don't know it's laced, or they're buying fentanyl intentionally, or uh, we're seeing it in online uh, uh, sales of other drugs. Like people think they're buying uh, prescription drugs, getting it at low cost online from some source. And in those, we're seeing uh, other drugs mixed in, sometimes fentanyl, because it'll have a psychoactive uh, impact on the on the user, and they think, "Well, oh, this is this is doing what it's supposed to do." And quite often, we see fentanyl uh, laced into those drugs as well, where people buy prescription drugs online from non-reputable sources that, that they they think they can trust, but they can't. It's 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 amazing. I mean, it really is. And and the first time I ever really became aware of this. And this has been some years ago, so I've been out of the legislature now for over four years. But but I, I was I was in a Senate hearing, and you were testifying, and and you we had a, we had the the, the big the big uh, briefing room downstairs on the first floor, and and I and I believe you said at the time in this room, which probably had a hundred people in it, you said if I had if I had just enough to cover the tip of my pinky, I could kill everybody in this room with with fentanyl, and yeah. that that's the first yeah. time I'd ever become aware of this scourge, which has now been killing hundreds of thousands of people across the nation. And, and I'm afraid it's not going to get the attention uh, that it deserves until we have uh, a mass casualty. Um, and, and, you know, the the cartels could, uh, they could overdose a batch of heroin that's coming in. And in, in the blink of an eye, we could have thousands of deaths across our country uh, above and beyond what we're having now. Um, and and they know that, and and sadly, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, dealers will intentionally overdose sometimes uh, some of their users uh, uh, for whatever marketing purposes, sick marketing purposes they may you know choose to do that. But uh, but I'm afraid it's, it's going to take something like that. Uh, uh, I, I'm fearful of that, but I'm afraid it's going to. I mean, and, and and I guess with about a minute left to go here, Barry, and I know this is outside of your bailiwick, but do you ever hear of anything like the actual Department of Defense getting involved in trying to stop the flow of fentanyl across the southern border? Well, you know, I thought in, in all my years in law enforcement, I thought that DEA had a greater presence in, in country, in Mexico, than they do until I went down a couple of years ago with DEA and uh, some other folks from our uh, small group from our state. We went down, actually uh, went to Mexico City, took a Black Hawk out to south, southern Mexico in Cuyacan in Sinaloa area, where a large, like a 20-acre meth lab had been seized. And... Uh, I found out that there's really less than a handful of in-country DEA agents in, in Mexico, um, and depending on the cooperation of the, their federal government, which now is zero, uh, 
they're able to do and do some type of interdiction uh, in that process. But but there is virtually no cooperation with the Mexican government because that's not what the cartels want. And so uh, we don't have any military or DEA presence in Mexico like we would in other countries. It's yeah. pretty shocking. Uh, but the Department of Defense uh, certainly could uh, target those. They should they should label the cartels a terrorist organization, and that would change the whole dynamics of this process. Uh, I bet you if ISIS was killing Americans at the rate the cartels were in China, importers were, uh, it, it would happen in a heartbeat. Well, uh, I agree. I, I agree, and and uh, and I'm I'm ready to see a change. But uh, Barry Matson, appreciate what you do. Thanks for representing uh, district attorneys across the entire state of Alabama. And uh, let's get you back on again sometime soon. All right. I appreciate it. It's an honor being on your program. You're a good friend. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Barry. Appreciate you. All right, Boomer, take us to a break. We'll come right back and wrap this up. Fighting fentanyl. I mean, it's it's. I don't want to call it discouraging. The 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 encouraging side of this is you can see it. You know what the resolution can be. It's not like we're trying to fight this, you know, unknown, invisible source of angst. No, this is, it's a thing. And you know where it comes from. We'll talk about it when we get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right text lines are open 833-687-4448 that's 833-68-RIGHT uh we had a number of people that kicked in some texts on the uh the fentanyl issue uh brian from huntsville says chinese balloons loaded with fentanyl just waiting to be shot down (laughs) it's a scary thought though i mean actually um tl from huntsville sent me a link uh, to another uh, about um, police um, having to save one of their fellow uh, 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 officers during a fentanyl overstop in, or, or fentanyl um, traffic stop in Florida. Uh, John from Huntsville uh, saw something on PBS that was showing how cooking fentanyl is so dangerous that many of the Mexicans that are cooking it actually die. I'm sure that's true. I mean, it's not like they care about the people that are being trafficked or the drugs that are being trafficked or the people that are on the other side of it. They certainly don't care about the people that manufacture it. Mm. All they care about is the bottom line. Give me, give me the next buck and let's make some more. Um, Jerry from Meridianville, all these people who are disputing fentanyl death rates are the same people who say we need gun control. That's a great point. Um, Raven from Russellville, I read it earlier, but I'll read it again. He says, we can use a $400,000 missile to shoot down a $12 balloon, but we can't spare any on fentanyl? What? Um, Dustin from Hazel Green, I apologize. He wanted me to ask about something called carfentanil, and I'm not sure uh, what all that is, but he points out, Dustin does, that for those, that, that article by Howard Koplowitz at AL.com, who took issue with some say that maybe these overdose, you know, being claimed by law enforcement are not accurate because, you know, it's not transmitted through the skin. He points out they make fentanyl patches for pain management. So that means it's transdermal, and that's a great point. Mm. Uh, Justin from Brownsboro. Uh, 
prescribe. He, uh, well, I forgot what, where'd he go? Here he goes. So I know someone prescribed fentanyl legitimately. It was a transdermal patch that supplied a slow release. And they said that was a pretty high dose. They had to stop at all other narcotic meds while they were receiving it. Yeah, it's just because it, contraindications, it can, it can clash with other things. Um, I don't know. I mean, your, your thoughts, Boomer, but, but the reality is we got a mess. It's oh, it's, a, it, it's a complete mess. And like you were saying earlier, uh, with the 100,000 deaths, how is it not seen as a, a a huge deal and something that needs to be taken care of. Yeah, what was it Barry Madsen said a moment ago? If ISIS killed that many people, we'd be going to war. Right. Like, uh, come on, and this is something that we we can help stop. We, we see, we, we know it. Right. I mean, finding the drug lab might be a thing. I get it. They they hide them in the jungles. They, 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 they hide them sometimes in urban environments. But I can remember being in Baghdad, um, and we were doing my. It was my last major op. Uh, we did a big cordon and search in an area called. Um, uh, it was part of Adamia and part of Sadr City. Mm-hmm. It was a really bad area. And but what was amazing to me it was a part that I had not been in to that point. Mm-hmm. And there was one building, the ruins of one building, that were right next to a school. We had put a basically put a JDAM missile straight down the the pipe of that building, took out that building because it was a Bath Party headquarters building, and everything around it was still standing. Wow. We have the capability to do precision targeting of these drug labs should we choose to do so. Now, I, I get it. You're going into a sovereign country. Mexico, for all its warts and blemishes, is still a sovereign country. But right now you got got 100,000 Americans dying. It's time for someone to look at Mexico and say, you know what? Here's the deal, uh, President Obrador. Here's the deal. Nothing but love for you and all that. You're my southern you know, border guy, but you don't have any control over the Sinaloa cartel and none of the others. So here's the thing. If we find a drug lab, we're going to destroy it, plain and simple. Yeah. If we, if we can see it, if we can get intel on the ground. And by the way, we can get intel on the ground. And this is a thing. Uh, what was that book by Tom Clancy? Oh, gosh, it was a great book. Introduced some of his major characters. Um, not the sum of all fears. I forgot which one it was. Clear and Present Danger. Clear and Present Danger by Tom Clancy was about yeah. the very same thing. Putting putting former Army intel or, or, or recon guys on the ground to gather the intelligence to laze the target and destroy the drug lab. It can happen. Yeah. It's possible. All right, listen, we're going to switch gears. We're going to go to number two in the Triple Dipper, Home Fries. Going to talk about things that are happening around the state of Alabama, not the least of which is a freaky article that came out on 1819 News just today about a profanity-laced rant by the mayor of Montgomery claiming he doesn't even need the black vote. Wow. All right, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the great, beautiful state of Alabama. I'm talking about way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, parts of, or back from Tuscaloosa over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Um, All right, we're going to go to the next topic on the Triple Dipper. I'm calling this one Home Fries. We do this periodically where I'll just have a series of stories. Oh, that's Alabama. Oh, that's a good Alabama story. Hey, that's another Alabama guy. And and at some point I recognize I've got a whole segment I could do just on updating you on things happening here in the great state of Alabama. Some good, some bad, some just knowledge you got to know. So, yeah, that's where we are right now. Number two on the Triple Dipper, home fries. Well, right out the gate (laughs) – this morning, I usually I'm up early getting the show ready, and at like 5:30 this morning, I got the 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 daily update from 1819 News, and the very first story was like a what? So yeah, headline 1819 News, Montgomery Mayor Reed Stephen Reed, in an apparent profanity-laced rant on the black vote and other issues, saying I don't blankety blank have to get the blankety blank black vote much anyway. It's an awful thing. It's the kind of thing that never should be said, much less said as a politician about your constituents. The guy who wrote the article, Craig Monger, uh, from 1819 News, I reached out this morning and said, Craig, can you come on? He said, yes, I can. So without further ado, from 1819 News, Craig Monger, how you doing, man? Oh, I am doing just spectacular, Phil. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Well, you know, every once in a while a story comes along where you just read it and you just have to either roll your eyes or – or throw down some paper. I don't know. But how did this story come about? Where, where did y'all get these recordings? Uh, well, as far as the first recording came about, it was posted on a YouTube channel that was created just yesterday. I'm, I'm going out on a limb to say it was specifically done, created just for the purpose of releasing this video. Uh, the following two uh, came from someone very, very close to the source of the person who actually recorded the video. I can, I'm not at liberty to say now, although I'm, I anticipate I will be able to in the future. Uh, but uh, I, I do know who uh, recorded the audio. Uh, like I said, I'm not at liberty to say that at the moment. But I got it through a sort of middleman from uh, from that, and and it obviously was uh, pretty inflammatory, and you can see why the person is wanting to maintain a, a bit of distance from this at the moment. Well, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure there's a headhunting operation going on inside the mayor's office right now, and that that somebody is going to wind up having to, to answer for this. But my, my interpretation, first of all, reading between the lines, is someone inside the circle was just sick and tired of the kind of things that were being said in the video. Would that be a fair assumption? Um, I, I, I'm it could be a fair assumption. Uh, I have yet to uh, really, really flesh out the motivations uh, behind it, but wh- whoever it was, and by the way, there is going to be more audio uh, coming oh. out of this. These, these clips aren't, aren't, aren't alone, so there is more coming. But uh, the, 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 the person obviously knew what he had and uh, and knew that it was sort of you know, not a good look, I'll say. Well, yeah, I'd say. All right, so breaking news here on Right Side Radio. Uh, you're telling us to expect more of these uh, audio slash videos uh, regarding Montgomery Mayor Stephen Reed. Is that what you said? Correct. I would, I would, I would definitely be on the lookout for that. Well, okay, that's that's interesting. Uh, so let me ask you this: uh, What was the context in which these these 
these statements were being made? Was he was he making a speech? Was he was he uh, in a tight circle of friends? Was he in a in an office meeting that got recorded? What do we know? What's the context? Uh, the, the context, from from what I've been told, was just simply a conversation. It it, it wasn't any sort of official uh, official meeting, as far as I know. Now, whether or not official business was going on, that's that's up for the, the, who knows. But it wasn't in any sort of official meeting. Anyone who's ever um, observed Mayor Reed speaking would know that he would never be so foolish as to uh, say these things in, in a sort of official capacity. He is a uh, he, he is a through-and-through politician whenever he speaks, and he's very erudite whenever he speaks in a public setting. So this was uh, a conversation that was taking place uh, where, where obviously he was not expecting uh, this to come out. And so uh, as you can see, the context in the videos, it, it's a little bit cut up. Uh, the, the video, the audio is actually cut up. So the context of each exact uh, conversation isn't exactly clear, uh, but uh, and the reason that we ran with the story is because regardless of the context, what he's saying in certain of these certain of these situations uh, isn't exactly defensible. No, it's not defensible at all. It's it's actually sick. Um, so I tell you what, one more kind of uh, generalized question before we get into a little more specifics about what you've gotten out so far. Has there been any response at all from the mayor's office? I know you guys reached out to him. Uh, as of the time you went to press, uh, the, unless there's been an update, uh, you guys didn't have anything back from them. Um, the, I think the communications director said he wasn't aware of the audio or the video. And since that time, have you heard anything new? Yeah, that, that's correct. I called them. Uh, I got the the video from about five to six people within a ten minute span. So, wow. uh, it obviously developed from that. But it it was the video was making the rounds, and so as soon as I got the video, I uh, I linked up with my editor, and then I immediately called his uh, Stephen Reed's uh, press guy. Uh, it was a little later in the evening. It was around six six thirty something like that. And we chatted, and I asked him if he had seen the video. He had said no. I said, well, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll send you the video. You tell me what you think. Let me know uh, X, Y, and Z about it. Uh, and that was, I hung up the phone, sent him the video, and that was the last thing that I heard from him. I sent him a couple follow-up texts uh, saying, hey, my uh, my deadline's midnight. It's going to run in the morning, but the deadline's midnight. Anything you can get to me by then uh, would be great. And as of yet, I have not heard anything back from him, his chief of staff, uh, or obviously any sort of public statement being made. And so, and as far as I can tell, uh, we are the only ones that are actually running it in Alabama media. Well, is, is anybody picking it up in other places? Because this is the kind of thing that just, to me, just smacks of some of the hypocrisy, especially when you when you look at. I mean, here's a man who's the he's the he's the he's a he's a black man. He's the mayor of a major metropolitan area in 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 the South, and he's out there saying things like, "You got a black city? That's great. You can have all the black everything you want. Guess what? You won't have green nothing." He's insulting his constituents in a big big way, and then just goes on to say even worse from there. Yeah, and, and that was probably, obviously the first video that I saw was whenever he was sort of shucking off his need uh, for the black vote, uh, saying, I don't have to do, uh, it's kind of hard to quote the video without, without uh, 
yeah. uh, violating some sort of radio rule. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, he essentially said, I don't have to do uh, any work. I don't I have to work systemically. I'm always going to get this certain portion of the white vote, and if I get this portion of the white vote, I don't need don't need anything else. And, and he sort of, again, I don't know how far apart these audio clips were, but in one he's talking about uh, you don't, if you got a black city, that's great. You can have black everything, and you won't have green nothing. But then in the later audio, he sort of shucks off, uh, uh, quote, the descendants of Confederate soldiers actually investing in Montgomery's economy. So um, it's, it, it's not exactly sure what he expects uh, as far as economic development in the city or at least where that's going to come from. Well, he also pretty much uh, rips a hole in the uh, the military presence. And, and this is a big deal because we have fought, when I was in the legislature, we were fighting to keep Maxwell Air Force Base you know, engaged in staying in Alabama because Montgomery is not a great location. Uh, the schools are not good. Um, the, uh, the, the local city leadership has not always been that great. And, and so we fought to get it and we fought to enhance it. And then here he is saying, basically, he's not going to tear up or tear up one, one blanking conversation with the governor or the lieutenant governor about Maxwell Gunner. And he goes on to say, I don't know anybody who works out there. Is that the people I have to meet? I don't care. But he, and basically what he says is he doesn't care about Maxwell and Gunner. Well, that's a huge piece of the economy down there. Yeah, I, I would be. I don't know the actual numbers, but I would be flabbergasted if it wasn't the largest contributor to the economy. Yeah. It, it has to be up there. Uh, and, and and again, part of my disappointment with the, uh, the the way that the audio was chopped up is that contact was so was so missing. So I don't know what he's talking about tearing up about a conversation with Kay Ivey or Will Ainsworth about uh, Maxwell Gunner, but but. Yeah, it, it certainly doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you to sort of disregard the effect that that's going to have on the city because so much of the development that has come to the city would not have been so if uh, if those if those bases weren't there. They are gigantic parts of every aspect of Montgomery's uh, economy. So I, I honestly don't know what he was talking about there or why he would even. Uh, feel it was necessary to go there, but it's just not a good look. No, it's not. And I tell you what, man, just um, and and so can you give us any kind of hints, the kind of things we're going to see in the uh, future uh, uh, video audio that's coming out? Uh, not not really any sort of hints. It, it, as you can see, this is something that came to me last night, late last night, and I've been hammered away at it ever since. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of people that are involved, and obviously there's some people that are. Um, afraid. There are some people that are concerned about what the repercussions for themselves will be uh, if they're seen as being involved in this. Now, this is this is my this is my job. This is what I do. Uh, but other people, they have other things that they need to look out for. This, uh, so uh, I'm, I'm trying to be a little delicate with the way that I'm dealing with these situations as they develop. Uh, and so, just needless to say, I'll, I'll leave it at this that that it's just more of the same. Uh, uh, it's going to be more of the same coming. All right. So basically it's not going to get any better for him. You don't have the next video coming out that makes all things smooth over, huh? Yeah. There's, uh, as far as I know, there's no video where he says JK or, uh, <laughs> or where he says scene at the end. Okay. All right. Well, Craig Monger, uh, as always, man, we appreciate you and the work that you do. Uh, thanks for uh, getting this article put together so quick. And um, we'll we'll stay tuned. And if something's uh, to call you back in on, we'll call at you, all right? 
I will certainly keep you updated, my friend. Y'all have a good one. All right. Thanks, Craig. It's Craig Monger from 1819 News talking about a story that broke this morning. Uh, his work, uh, 1819news.com, has it. It's the mayor of Montgomery in a profanity-laced series of rants about how he doesn't even need the black vote and how, you know, white people are this and he doesn't need Maxwell and Gunner or he could even care less about them and then dissing on the governor. This is the kind of stuff that basically um, is not going to help any conversation for economic development or the way forward for Montgomery as a city. Not at all. Uh, Check it out. Be prepared for the language because it's all in there. All right, Boomer, take us to a break, man. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back and keep on with home fries. Like, what's going on with uh, Tuberville? What's going on with uh, things like, um, hmm, what's Tuberville saying about transgenders in the military? I got all of it. Home fries. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. We are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. It is uh, 3.53 p.m. We are still in number two of the Triple Dipper of home fries. Things happening around the state of Alabama. Things you might want to know about, you know, the folks that are in charge in your state, the things that are happening in your state. We just spent that last few minutes talking to uh, Craig Monger from 1819 News about that crazy story uh, down there in Montgomery with the uh, mayor of Montgomery just just showing his backside. Let's put it that way. Um, other things that are happening, though. So I don't know if you've heard this or not, but apparently the Department of Defense, the Biden administration, let's put it that way, the Biden administration is so determined to have abortions. I mean, if if we can't kill babies, it's not a good day in the Biden administration. Because killing babies is very important to running a country. And so you, you, you have to change policy. You have to, you have to make sure that not only is, is abortion paid for, but it's accessible by everybody. Because if you can't kill a baby, you can't run a country. That's what I'm seeing, at least. So, well, Senator Tommy Tuberville, he takes issue with the fact. And, by the way, next article right behind it, so is Congressman Mike Rogers takes issue with the fact that the Department of Defense has apparently instituted a new policy that will pay for service members to travel and have time off just for abortion. I kid you not. I mean, so you got, you got sick leave, you got, you know, family medical leave, you've got accrued leave for vacation. Now you got abortion leave. So, yeah. Tommy Tuberville puts a hold on defense nominees over policies that would facilitate thousands of abortions. AL.com has the story dated uh, three days ago. It says, following the U.S. Department of Defense's trio of policies announced last Thursday that will provide assistance for service members seeking abortions, Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama announced a hold on any new DOD nominees coming before the U.S. Senate. Tuberville said he will hold all civilian flag and general officer nominations. 
that go through Congress to secure abortion, that unless Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin goes through Congress to secure the abortion access that DOD is looking for. So what's basically happened is this. There is no constitutional right to an abortion at the federal level. We also have the Hyde Amendment that does not allow for federal funds to be used to pay for abortion. And now the DOD appears to be thinking that it's got this way around that. Hey, you know what? If we can't kill a baby, it's not a good day to be in the Army. So the policies now provide transportation allowances to travel to states where reproductive care I love it when they call it reproductive care. That's the, that's the deepest irony. That's the biggest level of hypocrisy. It's not reproductive care. It's anti-reproductive care. But in 29 days, a policy goes into effect that would allow service members to request administrative absence for non-covered, quote, reproductive health services, which includes elective abortions. And it says, this is Tupperville. He says, this is an illegal expansions expansion of DOD authority and a gross misuse of taxpayer dollars, and I will hold it accountable. The American people want a military focus on national defense, not on facilitating a progressive political agenda. So what does a hold do? Uh, in case you're curious, basically the bottom line is if you're going to be appointed as a general officer or nominated for, for, for promotion to a general officer, flag officer in the Navy, um, then it, it typically requires congressional action. Uh, and Tuberville's hold basically means that any Defense Department nominee, um, and that's, by the way, I think the senior executive services, the SESs, I believe, in the civilian sector of the DOD, I think they also require uh, consent by Congress. And, yep, usually you can do that just as a friendly matter through, you know, unanimous consent. No, this would be a putting a hold on things and requiring there to be a formal vote on the floor of the Senate before it goes any further. Uh, Mike Rogers jumped in, too. Uh, by the way, we're scheduling Mike Rogers right now to hopefully be on the show with us here uh, later this week, as well as uh, Congressman Gary Palmer, scheduled to be on uh, Thursday. So U.S. Representative Mike Rogers, according to the story on Yellowhammer, by our buddy Yaffe from up in Huntsville, is criticizing the Biden administration over a new Department of Defense abortion policy. Mike Rogers, Thursday, says the Pentagon put out his new plan to pay for the travel of service members who seek an abortion or want to accompany their spouse who is also seeking an abortion. Rogers, who chairs the House Armed Services Committee, said it's another example of Biden putting the woke agenda over national security. Here's his quote. Today, the Biden administration chose to make the Department of Defense an abortion travel agency over being a lethal fighting force. As I've repeatedly told the political leaders of this administration, taking this action jeopardizes congressional authorizations for our warfighters. And I'm extremely disappointed the Biden administration chose once again to placate the radical left using our military. Well, there's that. And, and that's just, to me, it's just, it's just a gross abuse of power. It is absolutely antithetical to good common sense. If you're stationed in a state where abortion is illegal, then the federal government shouldn't be paying you to travel to other states. This shouldn't happen. And, you know, while I don't believe it's going to be like Mass exodus of people. It's still gross. Now, this is the pro-life station. This is in a pro-life show, I mean. So you know how we feel anyway. But the idea they're going to call it reproductive health care, and they're going to take the military and make it the, the linchpin for making sure that babies can be killed voluntarily is just absolutely gross. All right. More stuff like that. I got home fries. We'll be back in a moment. Y'all stay tuned.
right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios, hour number three, talking about the local, the state, the national, covering down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid conservative and just plain right. Boomer, we just had a, uh, if we keep doing home fries, all right. (laughs) Yep. If we keep doing home fries, we just got a text from Brian from Huntsville who just gave me the, uh, what a great idea. So I love Zach Brown Band. All right, Zach Brown Band's got some great stuff out oh, there. Oh, I, I like them. All right, so you ever heard their song "Chicken Fried"? Got a little oh, bit of chicken yeah. fried. Mm-hmm. Cold beer on a Friday oh, night. Yeah, okay. Anyway, he's, yes. Brian says we ought to consider having Zach Brown's "Chicken Fried" as the bump music for doing home fries. I just just think that might be a thing. This I, is you possible. know what? I'm just gonna look it up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Brian from Huntsville, we have to give you credit. If we can make this work, we'll just, we're going to look. We have a service we're allowed to use. If there's if there's bump music available within the subscription service that we have, we can use it without having to pay penalties and royalties and, you know, getting in trouble. So Boomer's looking right now. Are you checking right now, Boomer? Are you, you going to – really? Yeah. Is it out there? Uh, I'm going uh, to keep looking. Okay, we're going to keep looking. All right, good enough. Good idea, Brian. Um, okay. Let me let me jump over to all right. We're still in home prize, things that are happening, things you might want to know. Let me let me let me have a more positive story here for a minute. I hope that y'all are hearing about the what's being referred to as the Asbury revival. Um, I, I wrote a piece. I did a, I did a monologue last week. Uh, I, I wrote an op-ed that came out today that's being published statewide. Eighteen nineteen is carrying it today, and others wind up picking it up. I know, I know by tomorrow, but um, but. But this this thing is 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 crazy cool. So in 1970, just to back it up in case you haven't heard, in 1970, on the campus of Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky, there was a morning. It's a it's a Christian college, uh, very strong history, been around since 1890. Uh, you can you know get like 150 different degree programs, master master's level degrees. It's a it's a quality campus. It looks a lot like Sanford. If you've ever seen Sanford's campus, kind of stately. Um, but in 1970, on a Tuesday in February of that year, students gathered for a regular weekly chapel. And man, it just, let's just say the Holy Spirit just showed up. And they didn't leave for a week. I mean, literally, it went nonstop, people worshiping and praising in what has been referred to ever since then as the Asbury Revival. People came, it became a thing. This is before the internet. This is before text messaging. This is before social media. The word got out. It started with word of mouth, then the press began to report on it. Next thing you know, people are driving in from all over the place. I mean, I'm talking about all over the nation to be at Asbury College for what became known as the 1970 Asbury Revival. And it has ripple effects that were, it's, to this day, people have anecdotal impact stories. Like one church that I wrote about in my op-ed that had students from Asbury come and speak 
And they had 50 nights straight of spontaneous services uh, after that. Uh, well, it's happening again. And so Asbury, and it, it just, it's totally spontaneous. It wasn't planned. It just happened. There, I think they're in day 10 now, 10 or 11, of what is being referred to now as a second great Asbury revival. The thing is, it's expanding to other campuses. We're hearing that Lee College near Chattanooga, um, another one whose name escapes me right now, and Alabama's Samford University are seeing similar events take place. So students at Samford, this story came out uh, yesterday on AL.com, and this is, this is probably one of the weaker write-ups. I should have gotten another version of the story. But it says, students at Samford University gathered at the school's Reed Chapel on Wednesday to pray and sing, and the school then canceled Thursday classes due to weather, but the students were still meeting. And, and basically, they have been meeting like for, I want to say several days now at Samford. I would love to, if somebody if somebody has been there, uh, I would love to hear it. Now, uh, boom, just so you know, uh, Allie from Athens, who calls in pretty pretty regular. Yeah. Allie's at Asbury right now. She is. She texted me over the weekend. She went up there. She said, it is unbelievable. Wow. Thousands and thousands of people. You can't even get inside the auditorium anymore. If you can, you're lucky. Otherwise, you're watching TVs out in the parking lot. You're in overflow buildings. Um, she said, it's a, it's a thing, man. Wow. My aunt actually graduated from it, uh, Asbury. So did, uh, so did Irene at the law firm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there you go. Uh, the, the, the Asbury revival, big doings y'all. I mean, and, and I, I think it's very, in fact, uh, I, Boomer and I both go to church of the Highlands and this past weekend, um, the pastor who is not somebody who's going to step out there and say a thing until he feels like he's got a thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, the senior pastor of Church of the Highlands, Chris Hodges, said, we are seeing right now the beginnings of what he believes is a nationwide revival. Mm. Um, loving that. And I love the fact that it's spilled over to Sanford University right here in Alabama. Yeah. So there you go. There's there's one for you that's a little bit better news than finding out that the mayor of Montgomery uh, – Hates people and wants to cuss. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Let me change gears. Tommy Tuberville is in like half of my stories today. Uh, first of all, do know this. Home fries. You might want to know Alabama's U.S. delegation, Congress and Senate, have gotten major appointments. I mean, we are so incredibly well represented in terms of the positions. Because right now, seniority and leadership and committee assignments that's, that's everything in D.C., really. Well, we have right now in the House, we have um, Congressman Mike Rogers is the chairman of one of the most powerful committees in Congress, the House Armed Services Committee. Uh, Congressman Adderholt is the chair of one of the major subcommittees for House Appropriations. That's a big deal. Um, uh, Dale Strong and uh, Barry Moore and I believe Jerry Carl have all received some pretty decent assignments to committees, uh, and they're all they're all junior. Terry Sewell, of course, is our only Democrat. I don't know what she's assigned to, and I don't I really care because it's not she's not looking for anything conservative. Um, but then you got the Senate side. Of course, we have our two senators, like everybody else does. Uh, we just recently saw that Katie Britt is now going to be the minority leader on the subcommittee for Homeland Security, I believe I'm not mistaken. Working to try and get her back on the show very soon. I understand she's traveling overseas right now. Um, But then Tommy Tuberville, story on AL Today. 
Alabama Today reports that Tommy Tuberville is now the ranking member of the Rural Development Energy Subcommittee of uh, Senate Agriculture. So Senate Agriculture is a big deal for Alabama. Big deal. Uh, agribusiness is a huge piece. I mean, just, I did not know this till a few years ago. Did you know the poultry industry in Alabama? Just the poultry industry in Alabama is a billion-dollar industry in Ooh, Alabama. Billion dollars? I'm saying. So you got row croppers, chicken farmers, cattle farmers. I mean, basically, if you're if you're in the farming industry, agribusiness in some form or fashion, Alabama is huge. Of course, Auburn University is one of the most respected agricultural schools in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, but Senator Tommy Tuberville now serving as the ranking member of the Rural Development Energy Subcommittee. Um, and he was also appointed to two other subcommittees in ag uh, related to commodities and uh, food and nutrition. Anyway, that's a, that's a big deal for Alabama. So yay for us. Um, now, Tuberville also sits on Senate Armed Services. Here's a story from... AL.com from our friend Howard Koplowitz again. Howard Koplowitz reports that U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville is among the co-sponsors of a Senate bill that would ban transgenders from serving in the U.S. military. I get it. His words are, the world's on the brink of a major conflict and America's military must be ready to fight at a moment's notice. This says the bill would prevent anyone with a history or diagnosis of gender dysphoria from serving in the military with limited exceptions. Here's his quote. Quote from Tuberville, now is not the time to socially experiment with our armed forces at the expense of readiness, morale, and national defense. The military maintains rigorous mental and physical requirements because our service members must be as capable and deployable as possible. Bills also co-sponsored by Senators Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, Ted Budd, North Carolina, Mike Braun of Indiana. So, okay, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, when Tuberville ran, just me talking, when Tuberville ran, I was hopeful, uh, you know, but he had no voting record. It wasn't like, say, pick one. Uh, it wasn't like Mo Brooks was running for Senate who had a voting record and you could see what he does when a bill's in front of him. We didn't have that with Tuberville. All we had was, you know, campaign commercials saying, I'll be conservative. I'll be honest with you. I have yet to see him back down from a hard issue. Because being the co-sponsor, it's one thing to say you'll vote for it if it comes to the floor. It's another thing to put your name on the bill and be a co-sponsor for a bill that would literally ban transgender soldiers from serving in the military. That's, 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 that's somebody who's willing to stick his neck out for what he believes in. So I, you know, good on you, Senator. Uh, maybe one day I'll find something I disagree with him on, but I hadn't found it yet. But so yeah, Tuberville is uh, towing the line on the hard topics and there you go. Um, all right, Boomer, take us to a break. We'll go to the break right now. We'll come right back and wrap this section up on home fries we got to work on this thing about the bump, man. Maybe chicken fried? Uh, maybe. We'll, we'll, we're going to have to work on it. i got to find something really good like that. Maybe just some sizzling bacon. I don't know. Ooh. We'll see. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, folks, I got to tell you, ZLA Solutions has been with us since the beginning of this show. That's like over a year and a half now. They've been a sponsor of this show. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. But ZLA Solutions, listen, if you're looking for a job yourself, looking for a job, they are one of the best around at having jobs posted that put people and jobs together. Go to their website, ZLAUSA.com. Check it out. They've got major jobs posted all over North Alabama. You, you may want to see what's out there because they got some good jobs, good paying benefits. But here's, here's the thing. If you're an employer looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, like you need onesies and twosies, special niche skills, or a whole shift of people, ZLA Solutions, man, they can do a, they do a lot of things for businesses, but staffing is still their bread and butter, and they can do it for you. They can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing, blue collar, white collar, no collar. It don't matter is what I always say, and it's true. And at ZLA, they like to say, we don't make it. We make it better. That's their goal in life is to help you make your business better. So don't just try and do it all yourself. They can help you with this. And right now, they're recruiting for a major deal with white collar high tech at Redstone Arsenal. So you might want to check it out. ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. And do me a favor, when you talk to them, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. I would appreciate it. All right, we're going to jump into the last moments here of home fries, uh, some things that are happening around the state. Um, I find this interesting. And I tell you what, I need to knuckle down on this a little bit because as I read the article and get ready for today's show, it dawns on me, you know what, there's a whole segment here on how this works. So WSFA, which is a, a TV station out of um, uh, Montgomery, WSFA has a headline here that says, Leaders say that Alabama electric vehicle infrastructure is growing. Well, there you have it. My question is, who's paying for it? If you got EV infrastructure, is the private sector jumping in with the free market doing what it does best by finding the better mousetrap and, you know, getting investments and you know, taking the risk and getting out there to, no, no, not quite like that. So WSFA says more and more Americans are buying electric vehicles, and now Alabama is expanding the state's electric vehicle infrastructure. A story came out just in the last few days. A guy named Michael Staley is the president of the Alabama Clean Fuels Coalition. He says, basically, now you got all kinds of EVs. You can get trucks, you can get small sedans, you get everything. Okay, great. I don't mind. If you want an electric vehicle, you are welcome to it. Go you therefore. But understand this. Taxpayers shouldn't have to pay you to do it. That's, that's, that's a firm opinion on this show. Taxpayers should not be underwriting a segment of industry that cannot sustain itself. Well, the article points out most people charge their electric vehicles at home, but as electric vehicles become more common, the state of Alabama and President Joe Biden want to go on the charge, if you know what I'm saying. They want to make charging easier. In the State of the Union address, Biden promised the country would build half a million EV charging stations. See, that's, that's the point. How many times did the government build the gas stations? How many times does the government build the, you know, the quick oil change places? How many times does the government... Uh, build the place where you get your air conditioner fixed or, I don't know, whatever. How many times does the government replace the battery in your regular car? They don't. But yet, Governor Kay Ivey just awarded $2.45 million in the last month 
for new charging stations along highways. I got to find out how this works. How is 2.45 million Alabama taxpayers' dollars, how, how, how is that being applied? And what I would imagine it is, is you're going to apply for a grant and you're going to get it if you have a gas station or a service station or some type of property you'll dedicate to just purely electric charging stations somewhere along the interstates. It won't be in the rural areas. You know, it won't be in places where if you live off the, off the, off the side of, of the highways a bit, you won't, you won't see it. But somewhere along the interstates, these stations, which, by the way, a one charging station, one charging station is said to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars for one of the fast charging stations. One hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars each. That's amazing to me. Do you know what it costs to put in a pump at a gas station? A pump, a new pump. I happen to know because I have a client who had a situation recently. A new pump cost him roughly $34,000 to have it put on, have it installed, put online, and calibrated. But we're going to spend taxpayer dollars up to $200,000 each. Now, when I look at the, okay, $2.45 million, so basically we're going to put in somewhere in the neighborhood of, oh, really, not that many <laughs> charging stations along the highway. Wow. So you can get maybe 10 to 12 of these things out of that $2.45 million grant. What else could we have done with $2.45 million? Probably a lot. Now, the article says it's expensive, but it's worth it. Uh, I question that. If you want an electric vehicle, fine, man. Get it. Charge it. Do what you got. Ah, so I got something. Uh, on that. So which station are they actually going to put in there? Aren't That's there the different... Stat. There's yeah. different types. So then again, if people are trying to save money on these things, they would need to do a really slow charge. I'm guessing that's how they save money. But you want you don't want a slow charge at some place. No, not when you're on a trip somewhere. <laughs> not when you're on a trip, but then you're not saving any money, and then you're still waiting what 20, 30 minutes at least. Ah, uh, and then ah, uh, then the cost of it is what you just said. There's only, only so many boiled peanuts and pickled pig feet you can eat at a gas station <laughs> while you wait for 20 or 30 minutes. And that's right. assuming you get there first in line. You're not waiting behind somebody else. Mm. Uh, I just So I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm going to dig into this. i got to find out how this is going to work because it just sounds to me like a, an opportunity for scamage, if you know what I'm saying. Scamage. Scamage. Jackassery. Bunch of jack wagons. All the right side terms. <laughs> Bill Williams. Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. Last half hour coming up. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative, just plain right. Covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the great, beautiful state of Alabama. I'm talking about way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville. Tuscaloosa back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi. Thrown in just for good measure. Uh, I got some callers on the line, so I'll just jump over there and take them real quick. Uh, line one, Mike from Huntsville. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, good, Phil. How are you? I'm good, sir. What's on your mind? So I uh, wanted to let you know you were talking about the prices of those guys being one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars on a small business on Governor's Drive, in okay. the center of Huntsville. Yeah. I recently put in a blink station with two high power chargers. Uh, total cost, including electricians running the wire out to it, cost me in the end about fifteen grand. Fifteen grand each, or or, or total? No, for the whole, the total. Really? For a fa- these are fast chargers. Absolutely. Fast chargers, yes, sir. Well, that's a whole lot better than the article I was quoting a minute ago from AL dot com. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just wanted to call. I didn't know it sounded crazy, but that might be a you know a government thing where they're saying oh they're going to cost 150 and there's government waste going on as we well know everywhere, <laughs> but they're just not that expensive. I'm, and I got the best of the best. I mean, it's like a 80 amp. It's, it's it's crazy. I had to have extra breakers put in and everything. And even with the breakers in and the wiring, now as far as you get away when you start going 20, 30, 40 yards, the wiring gets very expensive. Obviously, you know, it's three or four grand. But uh, mine was about 10 feet away, so the wiring was only about four grand. The unit was about seven uh, labor. You know, it wasn't too bad. Nobody's used it, though. I did want to say, <laughs> I put it in November, beginning of November, yeah. right there on Governor's Drive. I'm on Governor's Drive. I'm not going to do a shameless plug, but I'm right on Governor's and Triana, right across from the Blue Plate Stove House where everybody could charge. Yeah. I even have it for free for three months. It's been free the whole time. Two people have charged for about an hour. Two? Since November? Two. Only two since November. Oh, dude, we need to get you a better return on your investment. Yeah, yeah, I know it's crazy. I'm like, I'm going to sell electricity now, but nobody's nobody's buying it. I guess they're not that common in town. I don't know. Well, I know it's as big of a thing as they're making it out to be. I know exactly where you are, and I don't mind the shameless plug. I appreciate you calling in. What's the name of your business? Ashley Garage. Work on European cars. Outstanding. Well, hey, listen, man, I appreciate you listening to the show. That's a that's a good heads up that I did not realize. I mean, this article is literally telling me one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars, and like you said, maybe there's some maybe there's some government spending involved in that. But yeah, um, it sounds crazy. Hey, so how long does it take somebody to get a full charge when they pull up? If they say they're about halfway down, what do they get? How long does it take? It's usually less than an hour. It's pumping out some juice. Dang. Okay. All right. It'll put out, I think, a guy with a Tesla. Actually, I worked on a Tesla for some months. They had about half a charge. I think it charged up in about 35 minutes. Pretty good. Okay. I mean, that's still a lot longer than going and getting gas at the gas station. It is. Well, the reason I put it there is because I thought people might go to Stove House and, you know, come over there and charge while they were over at Stove House. Those are booked up at like, no one's using this thing. I don't understand. I'd love to sell you some electricity. Ashley Garage. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, we appreciate Thanks, you, Mike. <laughs> Thanks much. That's awesome. Uh, let me jump over to line two real quick. Uh, Brian from Huntsville. Brian, how you doing, bud? Oh, mighty fine. And uh, you might want to think about putting those uh, chargers in front of bars at night for the five or six hours that people are staying in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, then, but then you're almost encouraging people, come, drink, <laughs> charge up, drive home. Oh. But then again, I really hate me having to pay for things that philosophically that I don't believe in. And uh, I don't like subsidizing them. So that would be one of the things. And I think somebody wants to pay, if they they buy a Tesla, they put it on their license tag or their uh, receipt in their glove compartment, then let them pay the taxes on it when they, when they, when they get, when they get all their paperwork. 
I, I, I totally, I, I totally agree. And that's, that's the thing, like, like Mike from Huntsville called a minute ago. I love the fact he's a small business owner who made an investment and he's trying to, you know, basically pick up an opportunity for, yeah. you know, but, but I, I do not get the whole idea of having to subsidize the industry with tax dollars. That's just. And, uh, Yes, sir. And real quick, uh, do you know what a lot of police call a uh, some uh, a stolen Tesla? What? An Edison. <laughs> I'll leave it there. You have a good one. Goodbye. All right, man. We'll see you. Oh, that's just funny. Um, wow. So yeah, okay. I, I totally. I, I, so I think we got. It, it's interesting to me. I have no problem at all with a business putting in a charging station, investing in an opportunity, seeing a piece of the market they want to try and grab. And even when the market's not that big, you had Mike from Huntsville calling in saying, a whole lot cheaper than what that article's saying. They're like, wow, that's, that's, a, that's like 10 times less than what the article's saying. But he's not seeing much traffic on it right now, uh, but it's there. And it's right there on, on Governor's, you know, near Stove House across from Blue Plate. I know exactly where that I passed by it the other day. But what I don't get is the idea of spending taxpayer dollars to get these things put in when, folks, I'm just telling you, if the free market can support it, you won't need the grants to get it done. You won't need tax dollars. If the free market will support it because the technology exists or the technology is readily accessible or the technology is affordable or the technology is profitable, you won't need the government intervention. And that's where we should be. I do not mind electric vehicles. What I do mind is sort of like the, the vaccine mandate. I mind the mandate. I mind the idea of tax dollars paying for it. That's where we shouldn't be. Have I got another caller on the line? I just realized. Did I do? Is that Allie? Allie from Athens. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing well, and I'm calling in to talk about a different type of use and electrical power, if you've got a couple minutes. <laughs> are you up in Asbury still? I have just gotten back. I'm just back in the hood, sir. Wow. So how, how, So give us a brief like physical description of it. Lots of folks there. Oh, my word. Yes. And, I mean, I already sent you a hint and said, look, you know, I'll commandeer your show. It takes that much time to get everything out there. But um, for the quick check-in, the sheer number of people, they are estimating that the, the town of Wilmore probably grew three times. Wow. And so the logistics of people, there were people who stood in line for hours to get into Hall, but what they did was they had seven venues total to handle overflow, and in the most kind and godly way possible, they wouldn't kick anybody out of Hughes. They would just say, if you feel like you've gotten full and that you've gotten what you've needed, then would you please make room for family? So they, they would do that every couple of hours, and the people who'd been standing out in the cold would come in. Wow. There was church on the lawn. There were people all the way down the hill and around the corner, four or five abreast. There were little tents, like um, almost like uh, graveside tents that were set up on the sidewalk so that people had a little, little bit of shelter from um, the cold. Nobody complained. The police said they had never been thanked and appreciated so much. And... I was, I was, I got press credentials, which was pretty fun, and I got to go into Hughes. And seriously, you know that I love unscripted diversity more than just about anything. 
The man to my immediate left was from India, came to the state seven years ago to minister to Americans. The woman to my right came from Kenya and is um, ministering in Houston, drove all night to get here. You had, I saw probably 15 different license plates. There were um, people who had come from Cuba, from Ireland, from, um, oh my, I'm sorry, I'm tired and I can't remember what it is. I mean, it. It was raw, real, authentic, organic, amazing. And the, the last thing I want to say real quick is this. It is not true that the revival got shut down at all. They're yeah. trying to find ways to make simulcasting work, live streaming and that kind of thing. They, they had tried to stay away from live streaming because it's just not as personal and as involving. Right. But because of what's happening, they're... They're doing that, and they're also trying to find another venue. So on campus, you had Hughes, the two other chapels, Estes and McKenna. You had the cafeteria. You had the gym and the Baptist church next door. All of them were handling the overflow people. And um, so they're, they're trying to keep it going. Their emphasis is on the youth, and they're closing Hughes to kids uh, to people that are over 25 years old. So, yeah, you can probably file suit for ageism. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I really am. Yeah. Hey, I, Alan, I am let me ask you this, too. I, I guess you're hearing by now that there's already other campuses where this is breaking out. I think it's yeah. Lee, Lee College, yeah. uh, Sanford in Alabama, um, and, yeah. and several others are experiencing, you know, similar results. Yes, absolutely. It, it's here. It's the real deal. Yeah. Wow. And so if, if you want any more... Um, time to hear about some of the testimonies, you just give me a yell, Colonel. All right. Allie, appreciate you. Thanks so much for uh, the firsthand reporting, and um, I'm glad you were there, and uh, I look forward to hearing more later on, all right? All right. You are welcome. All right. Later. All right. See you. Bye. That's just cool. That's just way cool. All right. Hey, listen, let's take a break, Boomer. Let's do that right now. It's a great place to go ahead and and call it. Uh, I didn't even get into the... Did I get into the... I didn't get into this. You did the, not. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a two-dipper day. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Somebody else wants to call in, you're welcome to it. The lines are open, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Wrap her up for the day. Y'all stay tuned. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Hey, folks, Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. I'm just going to suggest to you that maybe tomorrow's the day when you take lunch and you just don't, you know, brown bag it. You don't do the, you know, the, the, the burger in the drive-thru. You know, you, you blow off the usual submarine sandwich How about this? Just Love Coffee Cafe. But, Phil, it's coffee. I know, but it's more than that. 
Yeah, they got the great coffees, the award-winning dry roast. They can grind them for you fresh, light, medium, dark roast coffees. They've got the treat coffee, Charlene calls them, where you can get the cappuccinos, the lattes, the espressos. But then you've also got the ability to have a meal that you would not normally get anywhere else. Why? Because it's not normal. I mean, you got sandwiches and wraps and salads and soups and all kinds of stuff with very unique style sandwiches cooked in waffle irons and just craziness. But it just, let me just check, let me just encourage you to check it out. Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in the listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And would do me a favor, when you check out, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. All right, let me do this. I, I got a caller on line one. Is that Wolverine Dan? Wolverine Dan, how are you doing? Well, my man, I'm just almost home. I the cater going to uh, next destination be Huntsville, but we left this morning from New Orleans, and uh, we got a couple of boxes of kink cake, and I got a two-year-old. She's starting to kind of bubble over. I think she's ready for a meltdown. It's been too long in the car. <laughs> well, so all this traveling, you on vacation or business? Dude. Vacation is my business. I'm retired. Okay, Mama's working, all right? I love her dearly. Hey, you know, I'll tell you, man, that sounds good. I'll get some of that coffee, bring it back home, and knock down this king cake. You know, I got a traditional one, and then I got one. They call it an almond joy. It tastes like an almond joy. That's, that's, that's not coffee. That's a snack. No, dude, it's big. It's large, and it's going to be in my belly. As soon as I get a little bit of that coffee from there, honest coffee. Hey, listen, uh, I, you know, I, I was down there, you know, Freedom Rings, man. People having a good time and spending money. I wasn't in the one part where uh, there was a shooting. Where we hear a place called Magazine Street. It's the Garden District. Yeah. And it's uh, more family-oriented. And uh, a lot of parades, a lot of good times. Uh, weather, Actually, the weather worked out really well for us. Uh, but I'm telling you, I even saw several chump legs man i go whoa so but you got to be careful who you talk to down there so you know i'm feeling out these people when i talk to them and to make sure before i get involved in you know the uh stumbling bumbling president well i shouldn't say president make believe president joe you know who so i don't bring it up to these people that much down there but when i do i gotta feel them out you know what i'm saying all right man well hey we're glad you made it back and uh glad you got to experience some of america but uh that's right it's america y'all I'm telling you, man, ain't nothing better than where you're at right now. There's so many places to see, and we're grateful to have it. And I know what, guys, listen, dude, they're not going to take it away from us. We're going to keep it going. There you go. Wolverine Dan, appreciate you, man. All, All right. right. See you. See you. Um, that's just good. That's just America right there. Uh, text lines have been blowing up. I just looked over there and realized I, I can I even get to all of these before. Hey, I will say this. I think it was I think it was Dustin from Hazel Green earlier when we had uh, uh, Barry Matson from the DA Association on, who was saying, ask him about carfentanil, and um, and then I, I, I said on the air, oh, I forgot to ask him about you know carfentanil, which is you know the text from from one of our listeners. Uh, Barry must have heard me, and he texted in. He says, carfentanil is an elephant tranquilizer. It's a 1,000 times stronger than fentanyl. It's also appearing on the scene, too. It's called trank on the streets. So, um, wow. I mean, <laughs> elephant tranquilizer on the streets. You know, if you just want to kill yourself, wow. But anyway, a 1,000 times stronger than regular fentanyl, carfentanil. Call it trank on the streets. 
Um, John from Brownsboro says, I thought we were going to hit all three till the callers came in. I know, man, but that's okay. I love my callers, so it's all right. We'll do a dipper tomorrow. Maybe one one day, Boomer, I'm going to come in here, and I'm going to pick up the day's dippers, and I'm going to add one to it, and I'm going to have a quad dipper. Ooh, what? That's crazy quad talk. quad dipper? I know. That's crazy talk. That is crazy talk. That's crazy talk. I, okay. <laughs> Who was it? I think it was John from Huntsville at one point said, what you need to do is have mini dippers. And I could do like a half dozen mini dippers. <laughs> then you really get through them all. Yeah. It's like every 15 minutes is a dipper. <laughs> every segment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Mike from Huntsville, he texted in and says, and you can charge your car for free at the new Bailey Cove Public Library, courtesy of the Madison County taxpayers. That's interesting. So Bailey Cove Road Public Library. Madison County taxpayers have installed a charging station. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, Mike from Huntsville, appreciate that. He has an angry face out next to it because that just basically means taxpayers are now competing with private sector industry. That's exactly what that means. So you got, I'm not sure if it's the same Mike from Huntsville. It could be a different Mike. But we have the one guy who invested thirteen dollars to $14,000 of his own money to install a charging station at his business only to have to compete now with the taxpayer-funded charging station at the library. So, wow. Government competing with the private sector. Ain't supposed to be that way. Uh, what do we got here? Monty from charging from uh, Huntsville. Monty from Huntsville says, on charging stations once set up, who pays for supplying the electricity? I don't know. That's a great question. See, what we're going to have to find out is, are all these grants that the governor gave out, are they going to wind up going I would assume they're going to wind up having to be placed at a service station so a business will get a grant, at which point the business is going to pick up the electricity. But like the one for the library on Bailey Cove Road, I would guess if that's legit, I would guess that that's being paid for by the taxpayers again. So, hey, run on down there. Get your library card. Get charged up. Read a book. Hang out. Who knew? Randall from Newmarket. How's this going to work out for Alabama taxes for roads. Is there a gas tax for state and county roads? There is a gas tax for state and county roads. Uh, yes, there is. The division of the uh, gas tax uh, has a formula and they break it down by municipals, county governments, and state. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. I'm not sure how that's going to work out for charging stations, but there you go. Uh, Joe Gunn from Huntsville. Joe Gunn says, uh, Governor Ivey, he has a derogatory name for her, but Doug, Governor Ivey giving out $2 million for charges days shows how much she's in Biden's pocket. It's embarrassing for the state that we, okay, there you go. All right, he just doesn't have much uh, love for Governor Ivey. I won't read the rest of it. Jack from Vinemont, uh, Jack from, he says Jack from Coleman. Let all the people that want EVs, let them pay for the charging stations. I'm, I'm good with that. I am, I'm good with that. All right, listen, we got, we got a ton more we're not going to get to today, but I'll just tell you right now, best audience in the world, best audience in the world, and uh, you guys are the reason why this show exists. So appreciate you. JT from Lacey Springs, by the way, says, Quad Dipper, that's be a show going into four hours. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll see, JT. You and John keep us on our toes. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep working and Anyway, tomorrow, Triple Dipper. We'll see how it goes. I know I got a great guest going to be in studio tomorrow. You're going to want to hear that interview. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys have an amazing night. We'll see you tomorrow.
right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right.